The Stinkin' Truth Podcast is presented by Core Water. He spent 12 years in the NFL. You can't trust a guy that gyrates his hips after he scores. Has three Super Bowl rings, made multiple Pro Bowl appearances, over 16 years of broadcasting between ESPN and Fox Sports. And that's why I'm the greatest football player and best sports analyst ever. He's a soap opera star. That's pretty, uh... I can't remember what I was supposed to say. <laughs> As a reoccurring role on HBO Ballers. Mark Slareth, handsome son bitch, get out here. And makes one hell of a bowl of green chili. It's Mark Slareth, and this is the Stinking Truth Podcast. Hey, welcome into the Stinking Truth Podcast. Uh, your host, Mark Slareth, along with my co-host, Mike Evans. Scott DeHuff, the producer of the program. Want to thank our presenting sponsor, the great folks over at Core Water. Um, I'm telling you what, for all your hydration needs, big blue cap, you can get it at 7-Eleven, perfectly pH balanced at 7.4, matches your body's natural pH level, your natural hydration, and I'm telling you, I love the water. Chris Clean Taste, award-winning. Find out more at hydratewithcore.com. Did I say that right? Yeah, hydratewithcore.com. I'm doing this all off the top of my head. It's incredible. Uh, also, Bud Light, the great folks over at Bud Light that, that uh, you know sponsor our moneymaker picks, although I don't know that you would actually make money off of our moneymaker picks, but who gives a crap, right? They're fun. So, And there's Mike Evans' phone, you know. Real professional. Super-duper professional, Mike. We're just recording a body, pod, podcast. <laughs> but who was that? I don't know. You want me to answer it? No. Yeah, let's right. answer it on the, right. on the show. Hello. Yeah. No. Don't you ever call me again. I Bruh. told you. Sounds like one of his kids. <laughs> I told you. He's a great father. Leave me alone. <laughs> Super okay? father. He's the best. I only parent a couple days, a couple hours a day. Leave me alone. Yeah. Show them. Yeah. Those damn kids of yours. Snow day. <laughs> right here in Colorado. They're probably trying to get out of school. Exactly. They've canceled school. You just stay in school till I get there. I'm Mo- your father. Millennials. Yeah. Jeez. Um, are our kids right now millennials? Your kids are millennials. Are they? my kids? Are my kids are millennials? They're they're 16 I, and 12. Does that make them? Or is there a new term? There's probably right a, now? New y is there a new Y gener- Is there Y X huh? millennial? Huh? No. Duff has no interest. Yeah. Wait. Duff's kids are like oh. six and four. You this is like my grandkids. Yeah. You wait, Duff. You got yeah, what are grand like? Let's we got to find that out. You know, what are, what's he, their or do you don't you don't get a nickname until you annoy the piss out of people and then they <laughs> finally right, give you a that's, nickname. That's like, right. So we're just waiting right. for them to piss us off, right? And then we'll give them a nickname. Then we'll be like these little sons of bitches. <laughs> <laughs> so you ready for this weekend? Uh, I am ready. I mean, I'm excited for this week. I think this is. I think you know, there's no losers in this weekend. One of the things like, like, there's the old guard. There's Tom Brady. There's Drew Brees, you know, 40 and 41, respectively. Guys we know are going straight to the Hall of Fame. And then there's this new guard with Goff and, you know, with Patrick Mahomes. Are they the next? Are they going to lead the next generation of these quarterbacks? Remember the AFC, it was either Tom Brady or it was Peyton Manning winning championships, you know, sprinkling a flack on a Roethlisberger every now and again. But are these going to be the next kind of generation that takes us, um, you know, that takes us through the next uh, two decades? Are you eager to see the torch past or do you kind of want to cling to a little nostalgia for one more Super Bowl I you know I actually I'm yeah I'm torn because because I know that Breeze and Brady are going to the Hall of Fame and I know about their greatness um but I'm actually really excited 
about kind of this next generation of of quarterbacks, this next generation of football players. I, you know, it's it's fun. I mean, if we went back and even though I'm old school and I didn't necessarily like the offensive fireworks of the matchup between Kansas City and and Los Angeles earlier in the season. Um, it really is the way the NFL has pushed and the owners have pushed for this this game to to look right. I mean, it was kind of their perfect their perfect storm scenario on that Monday night when those two matched up. It was hey, we've we've tried to cultivate this younger generation of football fan, this this generation of football fans that grew up on Madden and grew up on fantasy football, and the game looked exactly like it does on Madden. And you know, this is a really exciting for us. So that would be kind of cool. So the NFL, you think, is rooting. NBC is rooting. Not NBC. Uh, CBS is going to get uh, going to do the Super Bowl. You think they're rooting for Kansas City and the Rams? I, I think they wouldn't. I think that wouldn't disappoint them. I think the probably the best. You're going to get ratings regardless, but probably the best matchup, if you will, just from markets. Uh, L.A. obviously to me. They want to promote Los Angeles. They want Los Angeles, the NFL does, to be a big football market. You know, they've got the Rams that that are great. They've got the Chargers now that they'll eventually move into that new stadium out of that soccer stadium. So I I think they have they have they have a desire for the for LA to be a a, a major football hub. They yeah. they want that to happen. Yeah, especially considering there is no bigger front running market than LA. Right. So the best way to get. Los Angeles, Los Angelinos, Los Angelinos, excited. Los, Los Angelesies is to. I think it's the, probably Los Angeles. Have a team like that in the Super Bowl that they can all front run and get behind. Right. So I think the probably the best bandwagons open Ram fans. Probably the best pseudo Ram fans. Matt, wouldn't it be the Rams in New England be the best? Boston, L.A. Again? Yeah. Just had it in the World Series, although that did not translate to huge TV ratings. Now, the series was over in five, but mm. uh, Boston, L.A. didn't click for baseball like it you know, certainly used to click for Lakers-Celtics. Right. But I get, I get what you're getting at. There's no bad, bad matchup. But there's no bad storyline, right? I mean, if Kansas City goes there, look at I, – I can make a compelling argument. If you took the top five weapons in football in this NFL playoffs – Three of them would play for Kansas City. It'd be Travis Kelsey, it'd be Tyreek Hill, and it'd be Patrick Mahomes, right. right? Three of the top five in all. So you've got four teams. Three of the top five offensive weapons are on one team. It, I, I think you could make a very compelling argument for that. So, I mean, there's – and Patrick Mahomes is certainly, you know, is, is certainly going to be the MVP. Uh, they're going to vote him in there regardless. I mean, 50 touchdowns, it's only happened, what, two other times. So he's going to be the MVP – so, you know, there's it's a great storyline. The the Rams are a great storyline. 11 first rounders on that football team. Jared Goff went from hey, he can't play to getting a coach and being like, "Oh my gosh, he's great." You know, Todd Gurley. I mean, it, it's an amazing story. Sean McVay is is probably, you know, the poster boy for the Los Angeles Rams and what they've been able to do. Um, Drew Brees is a great story. Sean Payton, you know, all that. Um, what they've done in New Orleans is is a tremendous story. Maybe maybe the worst of the storylines is is New Orleans. And, you know, I mean, and then New England playing this, oh, nobody respects us chip. Which, as ridiculous as that is, Mike, having been in a locker room, it works. How? If you believe it. You're the freaking Patriots. I, this is your eighth straight trip to the 
AFC Championship uh, game. I, I get it, but like Tom Brady still gets emotional when you talk to him about being bypassed in the draft, you know, 18 years ago or whatever it was. Like that that chip on your shoulder stuff, if you believe it, like we're being disrespected, Julian Edelman, you know, made t-shirts about it, right? Bet against us. Like that stuff works. And and here's the deal. I think there's a certain like you always have a bunch of professionals in a locker room, but if it hones your, you know, like it, it's usually not for the 43, it's for the 10, you know what I mean? So if it hones your ability to focus during the week, maybe put a little extra preparation in, a little extra focus in practice, um, a, a little extra attention to detail, that can't help but pay dividends on Sunday on a football field. And so those things work you know when you feel disrespected us against the world type of stuff it doesn't it doesn't matter i remember playing a super bowl being 13 point underdogs to the green bay packers and we ran the ball against everybody i mean we could have run the ball against the russian army for crying out loud and everybody said well they're so much bigger you can't run the well we faced a bunch of teams that were bigger well the green bay packers you know the biggest d line in in football there's no way you can run against this and we're like, wait a minute, we've run against everybody. There was a certain amount of disrespect that we felt within that locker room, 13-point underdogs, we've run it against everybody, and all, all you guys can say is you can't run it against this team. We had put up 300-plus yards rushing in a playoff game against Jacksonville just a couple weeks earlier, and you're saying we can't run it against you guys. It pissed us off. It was real. It was inspirational. And – you, if you, as long as you believe it, it doesn't matter how ridiculous America thinks it is. If you believe it, man, it becomes part of of your rallying cry. Look, I respect intangibles. You know that I'm Captain you Intangible. You are Captain Intangible. But in this case, I'm going to have to just throw some hard facts at you. The New England Patriots this year, three and five on the road, and their five losses on the road came to. Came against all non-playoff teams. The Jaguars, the Lions, mm. the Titans, the Dolphins, the Steelers. Uh, their road wins came against the uh, Jets and Bills and the Bears. Mm. Oh, so wait a minute. So what you're telling me, just to use your own facts against you, the one time they faced a playoff team on the road, they, they beat them win. 38-31. They did do that. Winning. That was Chicago real early in the season, though. I think that was week four, if I'm not mistaken, off the top of my head. Yeah, was it was it during the regular season? It of was during 2018. The season. Well, yes, okay. Cleo was did there. The, yeah, Cleo was. Did the Chicago Bears? Big Fangio go to, was there. Yeah, did the Chicago Bears go to uh, the playoffs? They did go to the playoffs oh, okay. and lost. All right. Okay, All but right. what I'm saying is they're three and five on the road. They their last three road playoff games, all in the AFC Championship mm-hmm. game. This game, all on the road. Losses at Indianapolis and two here in Denver. I, I just, this team has never looked right on the road all season long. And to think that now they're going to go into Kansas City uh, against a Chiefs team that got a huge monkey off their back by winning that elusive home playoff game, I, I just think they're running into a buzzsaw. Especially now that the weather doesn't look like it's going to be as bad as they were originally. When they were first talking about Arctic blasts and it's going to feel like minus one when they kick mm. off. I thought, you know, this this might really work into the Patriots' favor because Brady and crew have played in games like this. But now, you know, now they're looking at up around 30 degrees. Speaking of Arctic blast, I think uh, Tom Brady will shoot some Arctic blast lasers out of his eyeballs <laughs> right over at 
Patrick Mahomes. Yes. I, you know, I. So you're discounting all that? No, I'm not discounting all that. And the truth of the matter is. You watch is, the Patriots all season long. How yeah. do they look to you on the road? What kind of team do they look to you on the road? They're they're just they're they're not as listen man they're not as talented as the Chiefs. I mean, just, that's the bottom line. They're just not as talented. You know, I tend to give a lot of merit and a lot of weight to having Tom Brady, world's greatest American, absolutely beautiful, those piercing blue eyes. Hey hey, focus. And Bill Belichick. Let's go. The hoodie, right? Be forty-eight degrees. You'll have short sleeves on, or thirty-eight, or thirty-two, or whatever it is. Little hoodie up, just looking evil. So I, I I put a lot of weight on that, Mike. I don't think there's any question that Kansas City is a more talented team. I, I I just they are offensively the the amount of weapons that ridiculous. But I give a lot of weight to the coaching about putting yourself in situations. Um, the, the truth of the matter is, is that my my analytics and my mind and my football, quote unquote, you know, as a as an NFL analyst says, take the Chiefs. That's what it says. But my heart says, as an AFC West guy, I mean, that really, it's it's the difference between eating a turd and then eating a turd with sprinkles on it. You know, the, the turd with sprinkles on it is Tom Brady. Tom Brady sprinkles on the turd. They're both <laughs> eating turds, right? I mean, you you still got to choke down a pile of poo. Uh-huh. Um, I, I'm imagining none of that tastes good. No. Right? But I if you give me a choice between eating a turd and eating a turd with Tom Brady sprinkles, I'm probably going to eat the sprinkled turd. You know, the interesting thing about what I've seen from the Patriots the last couple of weeks that I think would give them a chance is – They've, they've really shown an ability to just go out and play smash-mouth football and run the football. Mm-hmm. And they've had some big rushing outputs the last month of the season, and they looked really dominant in running the ball against the, yeah. the Chargers last week with Sony Michelle, and then what they were able to do off of that with the passing game. So you know, normally you'd say, hey, I'll take Tom Brady and the Patriots offense in a shootout any time, but... Does their approach have to be going into this game? Look, we're going to try to slow the game down. Sure, we're going to try to do to the Chiefs what teams for two decades have tried to do against us. Right. You know what's what's crazy, and, and I think it's a great point, Mike. You look at you look at them in general, and the Chiefs are better than anybody else coming out with their first drive and putting it in for touchdowns. You know, and then all of a sudden, um, they can rush the passer. Chris Jones is phenomenal. D Ford's phenomenal. They don't defend the run very well. And the average game consists of about 12 to 13 possessions. And I think the way you beat Kansas City is eliminate that down to about eight or nine possessions if you can by controlling the clock, controlling the tempo of the game. And I find it almost laughable when everybody says, hey, Rob Gronkowski is a non-factor. He didn't have a catch in the first half last week against the Chargers. And then, hey, uh, you know, he only had one catch or whatever it was, and and he was a non-factor. Rob Gronkowski absolutely whipped ass on the end of the line of scrimmage in the run game. I mean, he the combination blocks, controlling the edge. Then they ran a play where they faked the wham, and they run wham, and basically what that is is a tight end from the outside, motioning across halfway and, and kicking out a defensive tackle or a nose guard. And they ran wham pass and got like a 31-yard completion to Julian Edelman. Everybody saw wham. They all sucked up. Julian Edelman ran a little over route, and it's 31-yard gain, and – 
Rob Gronkowski had a huge effect on that game, giant, I mean, a gigantic effect on that game without ever really catching a ball. And so, you know, I, I'm with you 100%. If they can control the tempo, control the line of scrimmage, I mean, every team that's controlled the line of scrimmage so far in these playoffs has won. And if they can do that, and I think they can, and I think obviously Bill Belichick understands what they have to do, probably better than anybody else, and and they're such an unselfish team. You know, I mean, Antonio Brown's pissed off at the Pittsburgh Steelers because he's not, you know, getting enough shine or whatever, right? And I think, like, Tom Brady came out in the press conference, you know, I'm only concerned, I'm just concerned with wins. I don't care about the state. I want wins. And I think their whole team has that attitude, too. Um, mostly I'm going with New England because I just, being an old AFC West guy, cannot bear to see the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. <laughs> But I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the Pats. All right, all right. I'm gonna take Kansas City, uh, in, in part because I I think they're the the better team, the faster team. They are at home, but but also I want to. It leads into the other game. These are both rematch games mm-hmm. from earlier in the season. New England beat Kansas City in a high scoring game, forty three forty or something like that. Saints beat the Rams forty five thirty five in a high scoring game. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you, is it? Is it tougher to go out in the rematch in a high-profile game like this and win again? Does the team that got beat have an advantage because the idea is that if you beat them the first time, they're they're going to kind of go with what worked for them. And if you're the team that lost, you're kind of freed up to, to, change, to do some to things change differently. Things up. I, you know, Plus, I, the added, just the added motivation of, Hey, they got us the, the last time. You know, you always hear these things like, oh, tough to beat the team three times or tough to beat in a rematch. And, like, I think historically you would look at that and say it doesn't it doesn't, doesn't bear true. You know, it. it I, I think one thing, when you win, it builds confidence. It builds confidence that you can win again and that ultimately we're better. And they can, you know – alter some things, but we're going to alter things too. You know, we're going to look at our mistakes. And I've always just believed that like everybody kind of knows what you're doing. Like the Rams, there was a big, a big story in the Rams against the Cowboys and how the Rams said, Hey, they were tipping, you know, what they were doing on the defensive side of the ball. And we pretty much knew what they were doing. John Sullivan, their center said that and a couple other guys talked about it. And they eviscerated the the Cowboys in the running game for like 200 and almost 300 yards, 278 or something like that. And and I would say this, that we all tip our stances. Now, uh, the bigger mistake to me is when you're trying to run games in, it, to, to eat up the running game, you know, when you're trying to pinch and loop defensive tackles and defensive ends or you're trying to run blitz, um, against the man team you can do that. Against a zone team, that's just dumb. Like, that does not work against a zone team. And the Rams are the best zone-running team in football. And you're trying to stop them with a, with a pinch and a loop. And what happens is when we're running a zone, so there's a bunch of different zones on the line of scrimmage, but essentially you're blocking an area. So the whole offensive line is coming off together with the same steps. So if you pinch, and let's say – that I'm a guard and I'm working in tandem in this zone with my center, and you're lined up over me and you pinch into my center, 
and it automatic read for me. As the guard, I know, okay, I'll pass you on to my center, and I'll just work up to the next level right now to the linebacker level, right? And it becomes easy. Like, you have made the read for me. I don't have to read it anymore because you did it for me. If you pinch hard outside, the center goes, okay, I'll just climb. And so the reads happen super fast when you're a zone team that way. And the Cowboys kept trying to run games into it. Now, you'll occasionally get a one-yard stop or a negative one, and it'll go like three yards, two yards, one yard, six yards, one yard, two yards, 56 yards. You know, and and the Raiders used to try to do that to us all the time when I played for the Broncos, and we would we'd just gash them with big runs, long runs. And they'd get us occasionally, but you can't do that against a zone team. So I've always felt like, Everybody tips their stance. I tip every time. If you really studied me, every time I had a pull, you'd know I was pulling because I, I have to get in a, a, a position to get out, you know? It's just the way it is. So everybody does it. Um, but I would just I would just say this. The issue wasn't so much tipping what you were doing. The issue was the game plan that you put in against the Rams. Like, that. that's just dumb. Maybe I'm oversimplifying things, but I just I look up right now and I see a Saints offense. And this goes back over the last several weeks now. It's all Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara. And then I look over at the Rams and I just see, you know, fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, for, for goodness sakes, they've brought C.J. Anderson off the streets and now he's racking up hundred yard right. games. I mean, who do you who do you try to contain? Who do you try to stop? They have so many different ways to attack you. Whereas it seems like the Saints, whether it's by design or it's sort of just kind of evolved this way, they it, they seem like a a two man offense. Right. Well, the 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 Saints are a wide zone run team, just like the Rams are a wide zone run team. I I've met with Sean McVay and he's like, hey man, we run the same thing you guys ran. We run nickel. We run three wide receivers, but we ran the same guy, the same exact offense from a run standpoint that you guys ran in Denver in the nineties. Same plays, same everything. You know, it's based on 18-19 handoff, 18-19 force, you know, 18-19 pitch or toss. You know, those – I mean, it's the same stuff. Um, and and frankly, so do the Saints. The Saints base out of that so much so that they got my offensive line coach, Alex Gibbs, my old offensive line coach. He's a main consultant for them. So he's working – I've talked to him several times over the last couple of weeks. I've talked to him a couple times a week. Um, so they're running a lot of the same things. Uh, the the difference is to me is that if you muddy the waters for Jared Goff, you can have a lot of success against him. If the first read in his progression is open, then he's going to cut you up. And so their offense is really predicated on running the football and all the stuff that opens up on the play action off of that run. The difference is if you shut down the first option for the Saints, Drew Brees will get you anyhow. Do you know what I mean? Like if you shut down, we've seen that we've seen the Rams get completely shut down by the Bears. And guess what happened? Jared Goff threw four picks. We've seen that offense completely get shut down. Their number one option in the run, and all of a sudden their passing game became pretty average. So you can shut down the number one option because the Saints want to run it. It is core. Sean Payton wants to run the football. But you can shut that down. And if you go back to last week in the 
you know, in the NFC Divisional game against the Eagles, how many third down and 16s, third down and 14s, third down and 20s did Drew Brees complete? I mean, there was a bunch of them in that game. So you shut down their first read, their first option, their first whatever, and he still got you. Like, that's the difference between the two teams to me. If the first stuff, if your core stuff gets shut down with Jared Goff, Jared Goff, and I've talked to several defense coordinators around the league about this, they think if you can shut down their first, all their first stuff, that he he is not as good getting to that secondary receiver, getting to that secondary option. And it sounds like you're saying the absolute key to this game is the Saints' ability to control the Rams on the ground. Absolutely. That is the number one key to this game, in your opinion. I think all their big plays, all their stacked, layered concepts in their routes and all that stuff comes off of their running game. And if you shut that down, I think they become, I think I think their quarterback is still a young guy. He's still, he's still a limited guy. And his improvisation skills, to me, aren't that of Patrick Mahomes, who is almost the exact opposite. Hey, let's just make him throw it to his first option. Because when he breaks the or when he breaks out or when the play gets off schedule, that guy just absolutely cuts you in half. Saints up to it? I know you have a lot of respect for the Rams running game. I do. I, yeah, I do. I'm going to take the home team. I think. I think the crowd noise and just playing. You know, you, you remember them coming out of of um, Hurricane Katrina, that first game against the Atlanta Falcons. Like I just expect that kind of crowd involvement, which is as an old offensive player, it just just Virtually, I mean, virtually impossible to play. I think they might even be a little bit more relaxed this week. They looked a little yeah, tight early you know, They were the only team that came out that looked rusty because yeah. of the break. But understand this. Everybody else played through until the break. The Saints had yeah. it locked up. The Saints really didn't play week 17. Right. They didn't play at all. Right. Lost so they the really had, yeah, they really had a couple of weeks off. And, and I think they started pulling guys in, in you know, week 16. Mm-hmm. So they really had three or four weeks off. So they're the only offense that looked really rusty. I don't think they're going to be rusty this week. All right. I, I still think the Rams just, to me, they just look like the, the more complete, well rounded team, offensively, defensively. I'll go with the Rams. All right. So I'm going new guard. And I'm going old guard. You're going old guard. It should, but you know what? Bottom line, it should be a great uh, week in football. Two games back to back. Sit, hunker down Sunday. Right. It's just going to be. It is going to be awesome, man. Just absolutely awesome. And you know what? We'll be back on Monday to wrap it all up. How about that? Sounds good. All right. I want to thank uh, Core Water, our presenting sponsor. Also, the great folks over at Bud Light, the Bud Light Team Cans. You got to check those out because those are really, really cool. Uh, have yourself a nice, cool Bud Light with your team favorite team can on there. So, uh, really cool stuff. Thank you for everybody involved in the show. For Mike, for myself, for Scott to Huff. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, make sure you share it with a friend, and uh, and we'll be back with you on Monday. The Stinking Truth Podcast, presented by Core Water. Subscribe to the Stinkin' Truth Podcast via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud, and plenty of other podcast platforms. 